text for the sermon is taken from St. Paul's epistle. Brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. In ages past, men and women have held angels in too high regard, paid them excessive honor, and at times uh, even blurred the lines between veneration uh, and the respect and uh, supreme worship that's due only to God. St. Paul's epistle to the Colossians, in fact, deals with that very uh, issue. Uh, and he points uh, in his uh, epistle uh, to the foolishness of worshiping a creature. But that's not the chief sin of our age. It's the chief sin of our age, uh, an age of self-adoration uh, and high self-esteem uh, of an educated uh, uh, populace such as our own is just the reverse. Uh, it is to relegate angels to uh, superstitious. Uh, to the realm of the superstitious, to uh, the primitive, childish, and non-scientific uh, way, uh, way of thinking. I mean, it's just silly to say that, isn't it? It just feels silly to talk about the non-scientific uh, and, uh, or uh, the treatment of, of angels as, as primitive. Angels are a joke in our day, uh, an outdated belief. I suppose from the perspective of most of our culture, a good portion of it, uh, th th it should be cast away like a belief in the tooth fairy. Now, whether you believe in the tooth fairy or not, some of you kids looked at me in a way right then that kind of bothered me. Uh, so maybe I should just uh, uh, strike from the record that last statement I made. <laughs> uh, but you're members of the church of God, and by the grace of God, we have a liturgy. An ancient, uh, uh, the ancient life of the liturgy extends right back to Jesus uh, on the night in which he was betrayed, and even further back because we're part of, uh, uh, we go back into the Old Testament Jewish liturgy. It extends right uh, back to the Ephesians brothers and, Ephesian brothers and sisters that we have never met, members of our family who pray for us even now as we pray for them. Uh, the Book of Common Prayer will not let us forget, nor will it let us uh, forget them, our brothers uh, and sisters of the faith who live long before us, and it will not let us forget that the world, our world, their world, is not as flat and colorless as the high priest of our culture over there at the university want to convince us uh, that it is. Uh, the, the Book of Common Prayer provides us with uh, several yearly reminders that the world we live in is much larger, deeper, uh, richer uh, than we'll be able uh, ever to, in fact, observe by strictly uh, physical scientific method. Uh, the church declares that there are two worlds, the visible and the invisible, as the creed puts it. Uh, there is a world that we see and the world that we cannot see uh, at this point. Uh, the world that we do see uh, 
is as real as the world uh, that we do not see, uh, and, and, and they are not entirely separate realms of being. Uh, we know that the external visible world really exists, not merely because we see it, but because we can test what we see. We see the sun, we see the moon, the starry sky, the green grass, the blue oceans. We see large cities, stately buildings, libraries, gardens. We see uh, soldiers, uh, teachers, bankers, craftsmen, uh, children in, this, uh, in the city, uh, uh, inhabited uh, by men and women uh, that, that we can observe and, and know. We see them constantly moving here and there in some order or the other. Uh, and, uh, and, and that, uh, we, all that we take in uh, through our eyes forms a world, immense, magnificent, and splendid. It spreads from this little postage stamp of dirt that we uh, live on called the earth, and uh, throughout the whole solar system and on into oceans of galaxies. This is a physical, material world of being. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. These cities, these courthouses, libraries, stately buildings, uh, schools, uh, the vocations of uh, soldiers, bankers, craftsmen, teachers are outward and visible signs of an invisible structure. The structures of power, pa the structures of powers and principalities that structure, that form, order, life, uh, and life as a whole. These structures of power, these Paul refers to as principalities, make up the horizons of our life. Uh, and they're possible, uh, they actually make up what is possible and impossible for us. Now, there are other structures, uh, uh, more banal in appearance, but they're also effective uh, in structuring our life and disturbingly delivering meaning to us. For example, Starbucks uh, or Whole Foods or Bavarian Motor Works political parties, Facebook, Twitter, are examples of a kind of common prayer, uh, uh, the kind of common prayer of our age, providing a predictable liturgy that initiates us into the sacredness of the marketplace. There are, uh, in a way, the platonic forms of commerce bestowing meaning and relevance. Uh, none of this is really truly superficial uh, because these outward invisible things are instruments of management. Uh, they make us feel connected or successful or they make us feel like failures. Uh, in spite of all of that, the grandeur, the beauty, and the goodness of the real world uh, will not let us go. The world is a good place. St. Paul tells us, uh, that uh, glorious as the visible world is, there's another world that's deeper and older. The world that is as close to us as the visible world, and just as bright and wonderful, but in parts just as terrible and dark. I'm talking about the unseen world. Uh, at our hand, at our elbow, are numerous, numberless, numberless objects 
and beings coming and going quickly as a spark flies from a fireplace uh, and as powerful as smashed atoms. They watch, they work, they wait. Some of them love us and some of them hate us. The principalities against powers, against rulers of this, uh, the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. This is St. Paul's language. The invisible world, uh, and obviously I'm talking about the world of the spirit, the world of angels and the world of uh, demons, the world of the unseen spiritual realities. St. Paul says that that world is politically structured. Uh, and it's uh, because a principality is a government. That's exactly what the word means. Uh, a power, the word that he uses for power here, is an authority, archon. The, wor wor uh, the rulers that uh, Paul cites are the overlords of a dark world. And he describes armies of spiritual evil in the heavenlies, in the heavens. Uh, read the first three chapters of, of Ephesians because that's obviously the, the epistle that we're, we're working from. These are enemies, flesh and blood. Uh, flat, listen to me. Flesh and blood is not our enemy. People are not our enemies. Uh, these are fallen angels. These are our enemies because they are enemies of God. They can't harm God, but they may be able, and they do, in fact, harm us and the rest of creation and get to God through us. But Christ, the conquering line of the tribe of Judah, has already passed through the enemy territory, and he has ascended to his father. Again, first three, really the first chapter of Ephesians gives us this very image of Christ passing through the heavenlies as, as, an, as enemy territory and, and, and basically laying waste uh, uh, to, to, uh, to that structure of evil. Uh, Christ is enthroned now, uh, far above these malignant powers, uh, and they are falling, whether we see it, believe it or not, one by one, and eventually uh, all will fall because every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. At the end, the last enemy, death, will be swallowed up in victory. Uh, so all these governments and rulers and dark armies are being subjected to the absolute monarchy, uh, uh, monarchy of Christ and will be, in fact subjected to him whether we see it or not uh, they are all destined to be subdued princes and powers and we are not in fact at their beck and call uh, we are fully equipped through our baptism to fight the good fight we are vested in faith hope and love watchfulness and intercessory prayer when we enter into the church we slip to our knees to say a prayer we ask God's blessing upon the service, the ministers, and the congregation. We ask God to prepare our hearts to receive His love and His truth in both word and sacrament. We, uh, and as we worship God, the Blessed Trinity, we are drawn into that as a, listen to what I'm saying, a cosmic event. It is one that transcends the, uh, the empirical world that we live in. Uh, we worship the Blessed Trinity and we are drawn into a cosmic event. We join with the invisible powers, the invisible world, 
and all the company of heaven, including angels and archangels. And we become then, as we, in the, the whole point of, of, of the Holy Communion, is that we are, in that moment, we become one community with heaven uh, and earth and with God. A community that includes not only the people who are on their knees with us, but a community that includes all of the blessed departed we have known and loved and others we've never known, like the Ephesians, uh, brothers and sisters who received this letter. Uh, all of us together fulfill our destiny by worshiping blessed Trinity. Uh, by worshiping God, we are engaging in a cosmic struggle against spiritual enemies of darkness uh, and their overlords. And as we weaken their hold, uh, and, we, and we weaken the hold uh, that false forms impose upon us, uh, let me ask you this, what matters, what matters to you most in life? What gives you meaning? What, gives, uh, what do you love? What do you fear? Wherefore, take unto you your whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. Now, what is the evil day? This is last paragraph, and maybe 100 words, 110 words. What's the evil day? What is this day of darkness he's referring to? It's also referred to in the, uh, in the Lord's Prayer, uh, uh, not, not, uh, not to lead us into, into evil. It's actually the phrase there is an evil time, an evil day. Uh, deliver us from the evil moment. It's as though an existential moment of crisis. So what is that? Well, again, what do you love? What do you fear? Some of us may fear our own deaths. Uh, the idea that Paul communicates here is regardless of how dark it may seem that we should continue to take up our arms, by which, by the way, he means prayer, uh, and to form battle lines, by which he means to be on our knees praying uh, and attack and defeat the enemy, by which he means to continue to pray and celebrate the blessed sacraments. He doesn't mean literally to attack. I guess we have to say that today, right? That's a metaphor and should not be taken literally. Have confidence in Jesus. Uh, and in that last moment, a moment that we, we may be the very moment of our own death. Uh, in that last moment, a moment that's, that we usually think of as one as being utterly lonely and desolate the greatest personal crisis of all. Nothing can separate you from Christ. No dark power, no potentate, nothing in heaven, nothing above heaven, nothing under the earth, not even the last enemy, death. Jesus will gather you up into his uh, arms, face to face with our blessed Lord. Who do I love? Uh, what do I fear? There's a mighty big difference between just existing and living uh, according to the lies of this dying culture. And, and, and really living is living a cheerful, courageous life of freedom to which our Heavenly Father is calling us.
Brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost.